on the series regardless of the season, but this time I'm going to talk about Palm Sunday. Is that all right? I'm going to talk about the triumphant, what's been called Christ's triumphant entry. We know he came into Jerusalem, and on this Palm Sunday, um, we're going to see that when Jesus entered on that colt, on that young donkey into Jerusalem, he was actually setting God's purpose in motion. God's purpose was set in motion the moment that Jesus entered on that young colt, uh, on that donkey in Jerusalem. And so today we're going to focus on the account that Mark gives of that day in Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. And if you read through the Gospels, you'll find that in every Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they each allude to this account. But we're going to focus on what Mark says transpired on that day. In Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11 says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied." On which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt. Tied by the door outside on the street and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing? Loosing the colt. And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and to the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, there was a little boy who was sick on Palm Sunday. And as a result, he ended up staying home. Now, when his father returned from church, he returned from church to his home holding a palm branch. The little boy was curious and asked, Why do you have a palm branch, Dad? You see, his dad said, when Jesus came into town, everyone waved palm branches to honor him. So we got palm branches today at church. The little boy replied, Oh, man. The one Sunday I miss is the Sunday that Jesus shows up. (laughs) Well, I got good news for you. Jesus is here today. Jesus is in the house. Now, I want us to look at this account in Mark chapter 11. And I want you to note with me three things that are really revealed in this passage. The first of which is what this account tells us about the Lord. 
what this account tells us about the Lord. As you look at this account of Jesus entering Jerusalem on the young colt, you will discover there are several things that it reveals about the Lord. The first thing it reveals is He is Lord. He is Lord. Why do you say that, Pastor? If you look there at Mark eleven three, it says, And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. Now, the Lord, it's a word, kurios, from the original language, the Greek language. Kurios, it means the master, the ruler, the one in charge, the, 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 the one who's in control. It is synonymous with the Hebrew word for God as Lord that is pronounced Adonai, Adonai, which means the sovereign one, the absolute ruler, the one who decides and determines and dictates without consulting anyone else. So when we talk about Jesus as Lord, we're talking about the one who rules and reigns, the one who is master, the one who is in charge. Now, it is important to note that Jesus revealed time and time again His Lordship. When Jesus healed people of all manner of sickness and disease, He was revealing, I am Lord over ailments. I am Lord over diseases. I am Lord over sickness. When Jesus stood up on several occasions in the middle of a boat and in the midst of a storm declared over the storm peace be still and immediately there was calm Jesus revealed that he is Lord over nature when Jesus came and was confronting demon possessed people and drove out those demons once again he was revealing I am Lord over the spirit world and there is no spirit irregardless of its name its title whether it's a principality power, wicked spirit or evil spirit that is not subject to my Already, Jesus revealed that He is Lord. I say all that to tell you, regardless of what you're battling with, when we sing about bring your addictions at the cross, we're telling you that there is the Lord who can break every bondage off your life. There is no sin, there's no wickedness, there is no hurt, there is no habit, there is no hang-up in your life that you cannot be freed of because Jesus is Lord. So this passage reveals that He is Lord. But then it goes on to reveal that He makes everything work out according to His plan. He makes everything work out according to His plan. Now, Paul, in, in, in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, we'll get, get there, but notice in Mark 11, 4-6, it says, So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of them who stood there, it tells us, said to them, What are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Now, think about it. Jesus sends you on a mission. He says, Look, I want you to go to the opposite city, and at the opposite city, you're going to find a colt that's tied. And what I want you to do is I want you to get untie that colt and bring it to me. Now, I'll, we look at that all. Okay. Yeah, right. You, you're going to go to somebody's house, and you're going to take their horse from their house, untie it in front of them, and just take it away. Yeah, that's all. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Sign me up, Jesus. I'm ready. 
No. There's no doubt that there was a hesitancy. hesitancy. There's no doubt that there was a reluctance. There's no doubt that they were trying to figure out all the details. And there's no doubt that there was fear and and worry when when they processed the fact that he's telling us to go to somebody's house, take their coat that doesn't belong to us, untie it and bring it to him without asking for permission. And just tell them, when they, if they do ask us why you're doing it, the Lord has need of it. But they did it, and lo and behold, they discovered it went according to Jesus' plan. I want you to understand something. Whenever God calls you to partner with Him according to His purpose, you're never going to understand His instructions. There's going to be times when he's going to tell you to do something to fulfill his purpose that doesn't make sense. Now, when I study this passage, there are some commentators that believe that prior to, prior to the events that unfolded there on that Holy Week, Jesus had already talked to the owner of the colt. And he had made plans and he had informed the owner that he was going to send later his disciples to retrieve this colt. I don't know if it happened. It could have happened that way. But yet, I also know that the Lord can do things through natural means, but I also know that He can do things supernaturally. I know that sometimes the Lord will inform somebody else of something He's planning to do so that somebody else is not caught off guard. But I also know that if somebody else doesn't like what the Lord's doing, the Lord has no problem overriding what they're objecting to and fulfilling His plan because He's Lord. I want you to understand today, whether it's supernaturally or naturally, the Lord's purpose is going to be fulfilled. Whatever the Lord has set in motion to be done, it is going to unfold and it is going to be fulfilled because Paul writes this in Ephesians 1 11 furthermore because we are united with Christ we have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything say everything mm-hmm, everything work out according to his plan so I don't have to know all the details I don't have to have all the download all the information of how it's all going to work out but one thing I can know that if I love God and I'm called according to his purpose all things work together For the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. He's going to work it out. He is going to work it out. And then there's another thing that this account reveals about the Lord. He is the King of Kings. He is the King of Kings. Watch this. Mark 11 verse 7 says, And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and He sat on it. And of course, as he sat on it, then they, he, he was led in procession into Jerusalem. And when the people saw the reason why they got all happy, got their branches out, threw their garments on the road, because they understood the prophetic significance of Jesus coming on the colt. Because 400 years earlier, Zechariah had given a prophetic promise concerning the Messiah. And Zechariah 9.9, and here it is, Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king, say king, Mm -hmm. your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Notice, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a Donkey. So when they see Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding on the colt, their minds went back 
to what Zechariah had prophesied 400 years earlier. That when their king showed up, he would show up coming into Jerusalem riding on a colt. That's why they shouted. That's why they raised their voices. That's why they began to praise. That's why they began to worship. Because they understood the significance. This is more than a rabbi. This is more than a prophet. This is the promised king that is coming. They understood that the king had come. Now, I want you to understand today. I want you to be aware of today that when he first came, he didn't come to establish the kingdom of God on earth. He came to set in motion the salvation necessary for man to be saved from their sins. His first mission was for our redemption. But now we have the promise that when he comes a second time, he's going to not only confirm that he's the king of kings, he's going to literally establish the kingdom of God on earth. And we have that spoken to us prophetically in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. Revelation 19, beginning with verse 11 down to verse 21. Yes, I said 11 through 21. Yes, it's a lengthy passage, but it's worth reading because this is what we got to look forward to. It says, now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse, a white horse. Oh, the first time he came on a colt. He came on a colt that nobody had sat on. Next time he comes, he's coming on a white horse. And then it says, And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, meaning many victories. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. You, you better picture Pastor Angel in that group. I'm going to be in that group. I'm going to be on wide horse. Oh yeah. Oh yeah I am. I'm going to be there. It says now out of his mouth, I love this, goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with the rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him, against Jesus, who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. The first time he came, they crucified him. The next time he comes, he's going to conquer every enemy, every leader, every person that refuses to acknowledge that he is a king of 
kings and lord of lords. Oh yeah. The first time he came, he voluntarily said, go ahead, put a crown on my head. Go ahead, put nails in my hands and in my feet. Go ahead, whip my, my back till it's all bloodied and you can't even find flesh on it. Keep on because I know this is only setting in motion what will ultimately be proclaimed and demonstrated that even though I'm subject to you now, there's going to be a day when every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Woo! He is King of Kings. Uh, I like the way Leonard Ravenhill said, I like it so much, I posted it for you. Watch. Mm-hmm. First time, a lamb. Next time, lion. First time to redeem. I know you can still hear me. Because I can't be quiet about this. You see, what this reveals, when Jesus came in, He was setting in motion God's ultimate purpose. And I want you to understand, there are going to be times in your following Jesus that it's going to seem like it's ending in defeat. But please remember this, the defeat is not the end. It's not the final chapter. And I understand, I I know there's some of you that are hurting today. Some of you that have lost loved ones. Some of you that experience despair and depression and defeat through the pandemic. But I want you to understand this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. We got a new heaven and new earth because when Jesus came, He set in motion the purpose of God that will ultimately prevail. Oh, yeah. I know, I know, I know. People like Creatures that are confined and I'm just not that. If I'm going to yell it for my Raiders, I'm going to yell it for my Jesus. That's just who this boy be. Now, 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 now. (laughs) Now, so that's what it tells us about the Lord. Now, let's look at what this account tells us about our worship. Our worship should cost us something. Our worship should cost us something. Look what the Bible says there in Mark 11, verse 8. It says, and many, say many, many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Now, now this isn't a really fancy coat, but I do have some nice coats. But because I'm going to do this, this is why I wore this one. Uh so, so, so Jesus is coming on this colt to Jerusalem, and he's. And if you read Matthew's account in Matthew 21, not only was it the colt, it was the mama donkey too. They took both, the mama and the young colt. Why? Because remember, this colt had never been ridden on. Now, if you're smart, you know, you do not get on a horse that hasn't been broken on to try to ride it. 
Don't get on a donkey that hasn't been broken to try to ride it. If you do, God bless you and good luck. So here they coming. Mama and in front and then here comes her colt and Jesus riding it. And as he's coming in, the people recognize it's our king. And they start throwing their coats before the colt and the donkey. And they start waving palm branches and throwing them. Why? They were acknowledging the king's arrived. And to them, the colt mattered little compared to who the colt was carrying. Now, if you've ever gone through a a gun and watched a parade and they've had horses included in the parade, have you ever noticed that those horses are not like, oh, people are watching, we're in a parade, we're to be dignified, therefore, if you got to go, don't go. No, that's, that's the furthest thing from their mind. So I'm sure that as these coats, this colt and the donkey are going over coats, there were blessed droppings falling as well. And whatever was under their hooves was being imprinted on the coats, the garments. So more than likely, if you decided, I'm going to join the crowd, I'm going to throw my garment, you might as well have done this. So long. Because after the stuff that your garment was going to experience, you weren't going to want to retrieve it. Mm-hmm. I love What Matthew Rogers writes, he writes this, When I consider the story of the first Palm Sunday, I am struck by the thought that a coat might not be worth much after a donkey walks on it. In a crowd like that, there was no guarantee that once you laid it down, you were ever going to get it back. For some reason, this text leads me to believe those people weren't probably interested in coats at that moment when Jesus rode by. No, these people, many of them probably poor, weren't as concerned about their coats as they were their praise. Mm -hmm. For the people on Palm Sunday praising Jesus might have cost them something. That sounds like a little bit as a sacrifice. And the Bible speaks of a sacrifice of praise. He concludes, fitting, isn't it, for someone who saved our lives by sacrificing his own. When they saw Jesus coming in on that coat, they recognized Here comes our king. And they demonstrated their loyalty, their appreciation, their homage to their king. Throwing branches and coats down on the road. They were demonstrating. We acknowledge this is our king. And they were willing to lay down, lay down also their identity 
Mm-hmm. Remember when the woman at the well said to Jesus, when he told her about her life, she said, I perceive that you are a prophet. It wasn't just because of the word of knowledge that he was given by the unction of the Spirit. It also was probably because he had the apparel that identified him as a prophet. Remember Jake Joseph's coat of many colors? It, it, it communicated that this one has a great inheritance in store. You see, I'm wondering, are there any people here that are willing to lay down your identity before our king? Is, is there anybody here that is not concerned about the label you wear or the coat that's on your back that you say, you know what, this means little. Who people think I am, who I, uh, who, what title I wear matters nothing. I'm going to throw it before my king because he is the one who is worthy. He is the one who is to be praised. Mm. And what does this account teach us about our worship? Our worship ought to be biblically or scripturally based. Our worship ought to be biblically or scripturally based. Mm-hmm. It tells us there in verses 9 and 10 of Mark 11, Mark 11, 9 and 10, Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. What were they doing? Were they just being exuberant in their praise? Were they just saying with their mouth whatever popped in their head? No. They were being biblical. They were being scriptural through their praise. They were quoting Psalms 118, verses 25 and 26, Psalms 118 verses 25 and 26 that says save now I pray O Lord O Lord I pray and send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord we have blessed you from the house of the Lord. I want to encourage you today. Don't just praise God for what you're feeling. Don't just praise God for what he brought you through dip the word in your praise why? Because something supernatural happens when you praise God. It's not in the notes but if you're taking notes, write down Psalm 149, verses 6 through 9. Psalm 149, verses 6 through 9. Somebody put that in the chat. Psalm 149, verses 6 through 9, where the psalmist says this, Let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hands. What for? It says to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the written judgment. This honor, it says, have all his saints. Praise the Lord. Now that's an Old Testament passage. How do you apply it in the New Testament, Pastor Angel? I'm glad you asked. You see, it says, let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hand. Do you remember what the writer of Hebrews says? Hebrews 4.12. He said that the word of God is living and active and powerful. And he says it's sharper than what? A two-edged sword. And what did Paul say? In Ephesians 6.17, he says, And take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want you to understand, when you praise God with His Word, you're inviting the supernatural to happen. Not just to bless you, but to bind the devil. Because it says here that when you begin to praise Him with the Word of God in your hand, it executes judgment against the nobles, against the princes. Well, we've got some principalities and powers that we're fighting against. There's 
spiritual entities, demon spirits, but there ain't no demon going to stop Pastor Angel because Pastor Angel understands I'm armed and dangerous with praise and the Word of God. And when I praise with the Word of God, y'all being too clappy happy, you're jumping into my preaching right now. And I'm feeling this thing. You see, the Bible says in Psalm 103 that according, that the angels, they act according to the bidding of God's Word. So I want you to know, anytime you speak the Word of God and praise unto God, you're doing more than lifting God up through His Word. You're inviting angelic activity because they respond to the voice of His Word. They respond to the bidding of His Word. Not only is God's word powerful in his mouth it's powerful in your mouth when you speak it under the unction direction leading of the holy spirit you get god to work on your behalf because when your praises go up whoa, now you ah all right all right all right one more one more one more one more and this is a good one it's a good one right What this account reveals about what and who God uses to fulfill his purpose. Mm. The Bible says, dearly beloved children, saints of God, in Mark 11, verse 2, And he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied. And please note, children, on which no one has sat. A coat tied on which no one has sat. Why is that significant, Pastor Angel? The Spirit-Filled Life Bible footnote tells us why, and it's going to come up. The fact that the young donkey colt had never been ridden is of special significance since objects used for sacred purposes must never have been used for any other reason. And then it says, see, Numbers 19.2, Deuteronomy 21.3, 1 Samuel 6.7. The references in Numbers and Deuteronomy have to do with a heifer would you call me? No, a heifer is a female cow, okay? A heifer, okay? A cow that had never been yoked. <laughs> Some, I saw somebody like, what did he just? A cow that had never been yoked. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. And then it tells us in 1 Samuel 6 7 reference that when the ark was being returned, after it had been taken by the Philistines and being returned to the people of God, that it was returned on a cart that was driven by two young cows, two young calves that had never been yoked. Now, that's an interesting factoid, but here's a problem. If I focus on that, I can conclude then I don't qualify. Why not? Because I've been used, abused, or I've misused the life God's given me for other purposes before coming to Him. Am I the only one? And so we can see that and say, how can God use me then? The Bible says, in Hebrews 13:12, therefore Jesus also, 
that he might sanctify, say sanctify, the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate. Hebrews 13, 12 in the New Living says it this way. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the gates to make his people, notice, holy by means of his own blood. What does sanctify mean? Simply put, sanctify means to separate from sin and evil and to set apart for a sacred use or purpose. Separate from sin and evil and to set apart for sacred purpose. How does he sanctify me? How does he make me holy? Through his own blood. Mm, but watch this. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified, say justified, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice how it reads in the New Living. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, notice how, by faith. We have peace with God. We have reconciliation with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Did you catch it? Both the justification, the sanctification, being made holy, being made right with God happens because of God and because of what Jesus Christ has done for us through His sacrificial death. Now, justification, simply put, means just as if I had not sinned. Justification, justified, just as if I had not sinned. But have you sinned, Pastor Angel? Oh, yes, I have. But when I turned to Him and called upon Him, the blood from Emmanuel's vein washed me as white as snow. Therefore, regardless of my past, regardless of your past, you qualify to be used by God for the working of His purpose. Because see, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies those He calls through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to know today the devil is a liar. You have not used your life to such a degree that God cannot work through you. You may have been abused. You may have been misused. But I want you to know that doesn't disqualify you. When somebody tells you there's no way that you can expect God to work through you, you've got a mess in your past. You've left all kinds of junk in your past. You need to remind them that was then. This is now. Now I am a child of God. Now I'm redeemed by the blood. Now I am justified. Now I am sanctified. Now I'm on my way to be glorified. Whew. So I'm going to ask you a question. What is your cult? What is your cult? There's a pastor who I've admired for many years from New York. Name's Bill Wilson. He pastors an inner city church in New York City. Initially, it was called Metro Kids. He would just reach out to the kids in the neighborhood there. His mission field is a very violent place. He himself has been stabbed twice as he ministered to the people in the community surrounding the church. One day, a Puerto Rican woman came to Christ and she got involved in the church. And after she came to Christ, she came to Pastor Wilson and said this, I want to do something to help 
with the church's ministry. He asked her what her talents were, and she could think of nothing. She couldn't even speak English, but she did love children. So he put her on one of the church buses that went into neighborhoods and transported kids to church. Every week she performed her duties. She would find the worst-looking kid on the bus, put him or her on her lap, and whisper over and over the only words that she knew in English. I love you, and Jesus loves you. After several months, she became attached to one little boy in particular. The boy didn't speak. He came to Sunday school every week with his sister and sat on the woman's lap, but he never made a sound. Each week, she would tell him all the way to Sunday school and all the way home, I love you, and Jesus loves you. One day, to her amazement, the little boy turned around and stammered, I I, I, I love you too. Then he put his arms around her and gave her a big hug. That was 2.30 that Sunday afternoon. At 6.30 that night, he was found dead. His mother had beaten him to death. And thrown his body in the trash. I love you. And Jesus loves you. Those were some of the last words that that little boy heard in his short life. From the lips of a Puerto Rican woman who gave her one talent to God. And because of that, a little boy who never heard the word love in his own home, experienced and responded to Christ. Let me ask you again, what is your cult? What can you give? You and I, each of us, has been gifted at least with one gift from God that we can offer and through which we can help move Jesus And the message of the gospel further down the road. Corey Ten Boom, a Holocaust survivor, was once asked if it were difficult for her to remain humble. Her reply was simple. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey, and everyone was waving palm branches and throwing garments into the road and singing praises, do you think that for one moment it ever entered into the head of the donkey that any of that was for him? She continued, If I can be a donkey on which Jesus Christ rides on for His glory, I give Him all the praise and the honor. I want you to say these words with me. I am a means of transportation. I am not the main attraction. Mm -hmm. I am a means of transportation. I am not the main attraction. Jesus is. And that's what this passage reminds us. That He is the King. He is the Lord. I told you earlier that Zechariah prophesied this event that we've looked at today 400 years before it happened. 
What does it reveal to us about the Lord? God is a promise keeper. And I want you to be right now, because there's some of you, not just here, but online, You've been waiting on God. And the devil has you wondering if it's ever going to happen. If God gave you a promise, he's not just a good promise giver. He's a great promise keeper. It's in his timing, but wait on him in faith because he will fulfill his word. And what we've learned today is that God makes everything work out according to his purpose. Everything. Everything will work out according to his purpose. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. Watch this. Beth Moore stated this. Your calling is not within your skill set. It takes God to serve God. Let me say that again. Your calling is not within your skill set it takes god to serve god and here's the good news he says not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the lord and if you ask he'll give you the power to be a means of transporting his glory and his message that will impact others father i thank you For your truth today on this Palm Sunday, I celebrate my Lord. I celebrate the one who makes everything work according to his purpose. I celebrate you, my King. I celebrate you. Worthy are you, the one who on your mission to earth you set in motion God's purpose and you pave the way for salvation. Salvation that impacts now and for eternity. Lord, and today I am determined To offer you a sacrifice of praise. I will not offer to you that which costs me nothing. And I pray that by your spirit you help us to be praisers in the good and in the bad times. When you're fulfilling our hopes and aspirations. And when we're disappointed that you haven't. That unlike the crowd that cried out Hosanna on Sunday. And then by Friday they changed their tune to say crucify him. Let his blood be upon us and our children. Because they were disappointed that you didn't come as a conquering king and overthrow through military might and power the Roman government. May I not be like that. When I'm disappointed that things aren't coming out the way I want them to or expected them to, that I would be like the psalmist who said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
you are not disqualified from experiencing God working not just in you but through you. He can take your pieces and turn them into a masterpiece. And He can work through you powerfully. Irregardless of your past. Irregardless if you've misused what He's given you. Today's your day to return to the Father who is ready to restore you. Who's offering you healing for your heart. Healing for any damaged emotion. I feel that right now. Some of you have found yourself broken. Broken because of what somebody has done to you. Others because of choices you've made. And now you're broken inside. God wants you to understand that He is ready to offer you help and healing today. If you're ready to surrender to Him. And there's others of us today that we haven't been praising as we ought. We've let circumstances dictate whether we would sing or worship or praise. But today you're saying, you know what, I'm making, a res- I'm making the resolve to be an all-time praiser. That whatever time I'm going through, I am going to praise Him. Whatever season I'm dealing with, I'm going to give Him my worship. I want you that have that resolve set in your heart. Make your way forward. If you need a healing touch in your soul, in your mind, in your heart, I want you to come forward right now. This is the place we call the altar, the meeting place. And I want you to know God is here to help you. God is here to heal you. God is here to give you and I strength to be able to experience not only His working in us, but He's working through us. You come right now. That's it. Come, come. This is your moment. And Prayer warriors, come and join me. And Let's agree in prayer right now. Prayer team, let's gather around and let's agree in prayer. This is a breakthrough Sunday. As our PW sings, I want you to just surrender right now.